What a great, uh, what a great day. What a great time. Uh, what a great, um, just a, a great spirit that's in the church of Jesus Christ uh, today. And we're gonna we're gonna minister today out of Mark the fifth chapter. We've been going through Mark. We'll go up to maybe the tenth or eleventh chapter, and then we'll break for the Advent, and then a couple uh, series in the first part of the year, and then we'll go back into Mark around the Easter season. We'll pick up where we left off. And so I felt like the Lord really wanted us to go through uh, the Gospels. I like the Gospel of Mark. It's a bottom liner. Uh, It's my namesake, I guess, or or I'm its namesake, anyways. But like what God's doing, and I, uh, I just I appreciate the heart and the spirit behind what Mark is 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 about. He's just all about Jesus and Jesus's ministry. And so uh, today's message is such a cool story out of Mark five on this this different tale of two different people and how they interacted with Jesus and how Jesus interacted with them and how. Jesus technically breaks a couple of the Old Testament laws to minister. And so I think he's teaching us a story here about grace and about how grace is supposed to act, okay? Not grace the church, but grace the entity. And so this is one of the reasons why four years ago we wanted to rename our church Grace Church because we believe that we should act in a certain amount of grace with all people. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to encourage or teach or instruct uh, according to the scriptures. But when we do it, we're going to do it in grace. We're going to do it in love. Amen? And so uh, we're, we're here. We're glad. Uh, we know it's raining. We know that the weather's bad. Uh, we're getting the effects of the hurricane. But we're glad you're here, and we're glad you're here watching online. We're glad the people are with us. So Mark, the fifth chapter. I think we're reading 21 through 28 today. And uh, you know the story well, but it's, a, it's, gonna, it's got a different twist in it. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, on the other side, he had several miracles. He cast out some demons. He healed a man. There were two or three different miracles. Now he gets in the boat and he comes over to the other side. The great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Uh, Jesus spoke by the sea a lot because it would help broadcast his voice. He didn't have microphones back then. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And again, we say theologically, it looks like it should be Jairus or Jairus, but we say Jairus, I uh, believe that's the correct pronunciation, by name and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, like with everything in him, my child, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. I think they were wanting to see that miracle again. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments... I will be made well. Father, we just pray, Lord, that we have open hearts today. Open minds, oh God, Lord, just to do, Father, Lord, the things that you've called us to do. We thank you for this miracle of healing, Lord, that's taken place in the scriptures. Now help us to learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a wonderful story. And it's a beautiful act. Did I do it again? 
this, this mic is just going to go through the window. I'm using, use yours. I'm using Janie's, Jess. Sorry for the momentary pause. <laughs> Can you hear me? All right. Praise God. So this story is so cool. And in the story, the way it is, there's a kind of a tale of two women, actually a girl and a woman. And we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to lay out some of the ingredients, the four ingredients as I see them to what faith really is. Because in order to do things in the kingdom, in order to see things in the kingdom, you have to operate on a certain level of faith. And some people have a gift of faith. In other words, they've been gifted with faith. And when they've been gifted in that realm, okay, then it's like faith comes easy. Some of us don't have a gift of faith. We have to work for it, but we've been given a measure of faith. And if you've been given a measure of faith, then there's, a, there's an operating system, if you will, on how faith works and how we can not manipulate faith, but the ingredients that we have. The first one is we have to believe, okay? And if we can believe, all right, that, that, that uh, God is on our side. And so again, it's hard to sometimes believe believe in a non-tangible. God is infinite. God always was and always will be. God knows the beginning from the end. We can't explain some of those things. We don't have to. We have to believe it by faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says that it, for it's impossible, okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's King James Version. So the key word there is that we must believe. We have to have a belief system. We have to have a belief cycle, okay? When we're young children, we believe by faith that dinner is going to be on the table, most of us who grew up in America, okay? There's a belief system. So we have to first believe. This is what pleases God is we believe by faith. I can't see God. I don't know that God's ever talked to me as far as uh, audible. He's talked to my spirit before. The Holy Spirit's unctioned me before to do things or to say things or to understand things, but I don't know that God's actually said, hey, Mark, go here, do this, okay? But I believe in God. How many believe in God this morning? Yeah, I believe in God. If you're watching online, belief is critical to the the element of uh, Christ following. We must believe. And this is the first ingredient of faith. We have to believe, okay? And again, if we don't believe, if we don't operate in faith, then we can't please God. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to believe. Number two, then, is that we must speak. So it goes from believing, believe we believe in our heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, then we start to call those things into existence. And again, it's never, it's never Never about naming it and claiming it or blabbing it and grabbing it. It's always about speaking those things and declaring those things. Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 17 in the King James says that even God who quickens the dead, in parentheses, calls those things that aren't as though they were. We look at the back part. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do do not exist. The King James says, even God does this. So if we have to call things into 
to order, if we have to call things in our life, if we have to speak those things, okay, again, it's not a type of Scientology. It doesn't exist if we don't believe it. No, what happens is we start to call those things. I, I know that Marcus will be healed in Jesus' name. I know that your friends will be healed in Jesus' name. I know that we'll have the victory when this is all over in the name of Jesus. I know that we're more than conquerors in Christ. Are you with me? Does that make sense? When we understand that we can start to declare and start to call those things, and then the opposite is true because Proverbs says there's power of death and life in the tongue. If we continue to put something down or someone down or a situation down or we say there is no hope, then that too may come true because you start to speak death into it. And the Bible says the fruit of that, you'll live thereby. So when we start to speak life into a situation, we start to speak hope into a situation, we start to speak fruitfulness into a situation, what happens? We believe that God will handle that situation. Why? Because it comes through our heart and out our mouth and we start to speak it. Are you with me? It's like the person who is just on Red Bull of encouragement. They're never down. They never have a bad day. Nothing makes them mad. Nothing makes them angry. Nothing makes them disappointed. Why? Because they're speaking life in those situations and those scenarios. So the first thing is we must believe. The second thing that we must speak. And listen, when you speak, don't speak with a negative connotation. Speak with a positive. Say, I believe God's going to work it out. Now, God can work it out on his time frame. Amen? God can work it out as he sees fit. In fact, I, I feel like the most utmost part of respect of faith that you can have is, okay, God, you got this. This is on you. This is yours. This isn't my, this isn't my battle to fight. Lord, this is your battle. You're gonna, you're gonna, now you're going to do things. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you a natural things to operate by. But you have to, first of all, believe. Second of all, speak. Third, then you need to act. And this is important. The actions come. So in other words, God doesn't need a bunch of people sitting home on their sofa saying, I believe, right? Okay, I believe. I'm, it's going to happen, and I'm going to speak it out, but never have an action point. In other words, we, we can't all uh, let somebody else do the work. We can all let somebody else go down, go down to the prayer meeting. We can't let somebody else go knock on doors. We can't let somebody else go witness. We can't let somebody else go mow the grass. We can't let some. We we need to say, okay, I'm believing God's going to work this out. Yes, that's number one. Two, I'm going to speak it out in Jesus' name. Yes, that's great. Now it's incumbent incumbent upon me to start the action steps. If I have an ought against somebody else, I can believe it. I can speak it. But now, if I don't go do something about it, I may still have that ought. I may still have that issue. I may still have that problem. If I don't start to do something about it, and James, Jesus' brother, says this in James 2.26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. In other words, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my works. If I show you my works, you can show me your faith. Faith without works is dead. In other words, God wants you to do your part. He wants you to have some investment in that thing. We see the investment here. Jariah says, hey, my daughter is dead. Would you come lay hands on her? He's got investment there. He's believing. He's speaking. Now his action. If he never goes and talks to Jesus, we're not sure if she'll ever be healed. But he goes and talks. And so in our prayer time, if the Holy Spirit says, why don't you get up and go do this? Or why don't you go make things right? Or why don't you go talk to that person? Or, why don't you, That's an action step. 
Faith without works. This is Jesus' brother James telling us. I think he probably saw it firsthand. Jesus was an action person. Now, we first believe, all right, and then second of all, we start to speak, and then there's an action. But the number four is probably the hardest thing to do in faith, and that's to stand. You have to stand strong. You have to stand by. You have to stand when nobody else is willing to stand with you. When everybody else thinks it's just not going to work out, everybody else thinks that it's this, he, he's lost his mind. She's lost her mind. You have to stand when all the enemies of hell are against you. You have to stand when it doesn't look like it's going to work out. You must stand. That might be the key ingredient of faith is just standing. Isaiah tells us this, Isaiah 59 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. Listen, when you stand, every demon in hell starts to fear what God's getting ready to do in your case. And his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Give the Lord a shout of praise. That's a good word. That's a good word. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. He will stand with you. When nobody else will, he'll stand with you. When everybody else will, he'll stand with you. When you march, God will stand with you. When you stand still, God will stand with you. There's a process here, the ingredients of faith, so that when we believe, yes, Father, I believe in Jesus' name, and now I'm going to speak. I'm going to start calling those things that aren't as though they were, Lord, like you did. When Paul tells us in Romans 4, 17, even God quickens the dead. He, call, he calls you complete before you are. We know we're flawed people. We know we have things that we need to work on. But God calls you complete. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ rests over you. And then we start to walk it out. We start to action steps. I'm a believer in Christ. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to, and I'm going to get a, join a Bible study or a prayer meeting. I'm going to go to a small group. I'm going to join a ministry team. I'm going to, but now, listen, in the depths of everything, I'm going to stand. Listen, Janie and I have had to stand on certain things our whole married life. We've had to stand. When we felt like nobody was standing with us, we had to stand. When, when there was healing situations in our life, our daughter, our son, her, we had to stand. When things look, look like they're pitiful and bad, we had to stand. You'll have to stand as well. That's the marksman of a Christ follower, someone who grows in their faith, someone who grows in their strength, someone who says, and see, you see the after effect. Listen, there is no testimony without a test. We all like the testimony. Oh, that's a good word. That's a good testimony. It wasn't when we were going through it. <laughs> but when you stand, you earn the respect of heaven. When you stand, you earn the respect of, that, of those heroes looking over that banister, whether it's figurative or literal. They're looking down and saying, oh, Father, yeah, they, nobody in the community really likes them. Nobody in the community really thinks highly of them, but they are standing on your behalf, Father. They are, they are making a, st a strong statement, Lord. Would you go down? Would you send angelic hosts around? You earn the respect of heaven when you stand. Now, you need to know that because this comes into effect today. This comes into effect in our story when we read Jarius' story about his daughter. When we hear about the women who had an issue of blood, there's so many cool parallels here that Jesus is getting ready to upset the apple cart. Don't you, don't you like it when someone just comes in and messes things up? It's like, man, I, I, wish, I wish that had happened years ago. Jesus did. Jarius is a ruler in the synagogue. In other words, he, he's a person of, of, of power. 
He's a, he's a person of substance. And he comes to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet, which in the Old Testament and then in the New is a form of worship. He lays prostrate. In the Old Testament, when they went into the temple, they would lay out before the Lord. Uh, we used to have Sunday night services that same way, right? The worship team would sing and maybe they'd sing the same song for 40 minutes and we would just be laid out on the floor. It was the greatest thing. It was a great feeling. It was a night of worship. And we'll have nights of worship, especially when we get our new building opened and underway. But there's a time where you just have to fall at the feet of Jesus. All right, Mary did that when she broke open her alabaster box and she started to worship and other people in the room, they didn't like it. Mary, what are you doing? You should have saved that. You should have given it to the poor. No, that's not the case at all. Jesus is worthy of all your praise and he's worthy of all your worship. No matter your situation, no matter what you're going through, he's, he's worthy of that. So now Jarius is walking through, and I can imagine, because we have a 12-year-old grandson, I can imagine what it would be like if he was on uh, his deathbed. It, it, my heart would sink, first of all. I would be like, what needs to be done? Janie would we'd be calling doctors. Jessica would be trying to figure out what needs to be done. But there might be a case where we just need to stand. This is where Jarius is at. And maybe you have a child or a grandchild. And you say, oh, I couldn't believe if that person was on, on their deathbed. I couldn't believe it. I would do everything and anything, wouldn't you? You would just like, come on, Lord. Let's, let's make sure that they get healed. So he asked Jesus if you'll just touch her. Jesus agrees to. Jesus agrees to go to Darius's house. And in the middle of going to Darius's house, he's intercepted by this woman with the issue of blood. And that's point number one. Sometimes your faith gets interrupted by God's plan. You need to write that down. Sometimes your faith will get interrupted by God's plan. That doesn't mean that God hasn't heard you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. That just means sometimes his plan is a little different than our plan. He's going to the home of a 12-year-old girl to heal her, to touch her is what Jarius asked him to do. Would you touch my daughter and make her whole? We read that in the scripture today. And in route there, his garment is touched by a lady who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. So as long as this little girl has been alive, this woman has had an issue of blood. And the blood was flowing from her body, which according to Leviticus, the 15th chapter, Old Testament, everybody likes to quote the Old Testament when they see a sin in certain people, but they don't quote the whole Old Testament. And they don't understand the knowledge of grace in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, an issue of blood, that lady couldn't sit. Any furniture she sat on, her husband, if she had one, her children, if she had some, couldn't sit on that furniture. Any food that she cooked, her husband, if she had one, her children, if she had them, couldn't eat that food. Why? Because she was unclean. Nobody could go inside of her house. Now, she went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they tried different things on her after each one, and she spent all the money she had. They took all her money, and there was no cure. But she heard about Jesus. Have you ever heard about Jesus? Uh, he's the King of kings and the Lord of all glory. He's the bright morning star in the lily of the valley. He loves you. He calls you brother and sister. He calls you friend. In fact, he's a friend that will stick closer than a brother. He's a friend that loves at all times. He can't love you any more than he already loves you. There's nothing that you can do that would make him love you any more or any less. 
And so he, this woman has an issue of blood for 12 years, and this little girl's dying, and she's 12 years old. So they're kind of in this together. And then so he says, Jariah says, could you go heal my little daughter? And then this woman touches him before Jesus knows it. He said, there's something that's left my body. There's virtue. There's healing that's flowing out of my body. Who touched me? He asked the disciples. And, of course, like most times, they're clueless. They, they're, they're not putting the pieces of the pieces of the puzzle together. That's too many peas. <laughs> putting the pieces of the puzzle together as quickly as he is. And then in that, he's looking around, and the lady comes up, and she knows because she's instantly been healed. The blood's dried up. She said, Master, Rabona, it's me. And then we don't have it up there, but verse 34 says, Daughter. Your faith has made you whole. He calls her daughter, which leads us to point number two. God looks at people and not position. It doesn't matter who the political figures are, who the celebrities are, who the sports stars are. It doesn't matter who the CEOs are and the business people are. It doesn't matter what other churches are doing. It matters to God who you are. It matters to God what you're about. And where she was just a woman with an issue of blood who nobody, who, who she needed to yell just like a leper, I'm unclean, don't come in. I'm unclean, don't come around me. I'm unclean. Where the unclean person, when she touched Jesus, according to Leviticus, the 15th chapter, that would have made him unclean. But instead of him being come unclean by the touch, he made her clean. And he'll do the same thing for you. When you touch Jesus, you don't dirty him. He cleans you up. This is the importance of walking into the throne room of grace. This is the importance of getting in touch with Jesus every day. This is the part of recognizing that we should not play with positional favorites. Oh, that person needs a seat at the table or this person doesn't. You know, Jesus says, no, that person needs more of a seat at the table than that person. In fact, you should take someone out to eat who could never repay you back. Jesus is for down and out people. Jesus is for people who maybe aren't socially accepted. Jesus is for people who maybe other people would throw away, declare unclean. They got themselves in that trouble. Maybe they did, but Jesus loves them. And Jesus cares for them. And Jesus needs us to love them as well. It's the operation of the church to be Jesus to the world. It's easy to be Jesus to Marvin and Joel. They love Jesus. I can be Jesus to them. It's easy to be Jesus to Mark and Josiah. It's easy to be Jesus to people who you know will accept you for who you are, the way you are, because they look like you and act like you. But when you start to be Jesus to people who don't know Jesus, you become their Jesus in a good way. You become a reflection of who Christ is. So Jesus knows that Jairus, Jairus is a leader in the synagogue and it's the same synagogue that really gives Jesus a whole lot of trouble. It's the same scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees who really don't care about Jesus at all. They really want to kill him. But Jairus comes. He bows down. Would you come? Would you pray for my daughter? He's praying. He's going to go. He's going to pray. And Jesus is on his way to healing you. But he might have to stop off on the way and heal somebody else. Don't get mad or offended. Just know if he healed that person, he can heal you too. If he blessed that person, he can bless you too. If he forgave that person, he can forgive you too. If he loved that person, he can love and will and does love you too. 
So it's not by position, but it's by person. It's by people. He, the Lord doesn't care. He, he grabbed a motley crew. He grabbed, he grabbed 12 guys that couldn't qualify for a biblical school. He grabbed 12 guys that they didn't get along most of the time. He grabbed 12 guys who were just totally different. They were, they were extremists, okay? And he said, hey, follow me. And then for whatever reason, they just got rid of everything and they, and they followed Christ. He's looking at the person. He'll give you a position at the table when this thing's all over with. It's going to be a beautiful table. It's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, figurative or literal. I, I tend, to take, tend to take a literal approach because Jesus liked to eat everything down here. He was always breaking bread. He was always, he was always getting together. I can't wait to see what served the marriage tub, table of the Lamb. But you, those who are in Christ will have a seat at that table. And so he pauses there for a second with Dryas, and he talks to his daughter. And I think he's making a point to Darius, as much as you love your daughter, I love and call this one daughter, the one that nobody would accept, the, nobody, the one nobody would call clean, the one that nobody, they only, only the doctors took her money, the one that nobody was able to help, this person that shouldn't even be out walking in the streets, I'm going to call her daughter. What a personal effect that is. He calls you daughter. He calls you son. If you'll call him savior, he calls you those things. You're joint heirs, okay? He's given you power to be the sons and daughters of God. And so as he's moving forward, a group of people come up. Darius, your daughter's dead. It's too late. Jesus didn't make it there in time. He didn't go and lay hands on, on the sick, Okay, and he healed this person. And I think Darius, maybe as many of us would have, would have possibly said, oh, man, Jesus. You healed her. She's not socially even acceptable. You healed her. But what about my daughter? I'm a leader in the synagogue. And Jesus quickly said, and maybe Darius didn't say that. Maybe walked in more faith than I would have. I would have been a little bit mad. I would have been a little bit disappointed, but that's my child. And maybe you've prayed that prayer. Maybe someone you know like us has gotten COVID, and you said, that's my child. Devil, you have no authority. You have no rule over them, but maybe a greater testimony will come out of it in the end. And Jarius looks at Jesus, and Jesus says, child's not dead. She just sleeps. The King James Version says that they laughed Jesus to scorn. And that leads to point number three. Even Jesus had to remove doubt from the room. See, you'll get to a place in your faith walk. You'll get to a place in your testimony. You'll get to a place where you might be the only one standing with Jesus. Your people might think you're messed up. Your, your, your spouse might think you're, you've gone to the deep end. Your church might think you're a little crazy. Your friends in the community might. But you, might, you may have gotten a word from God, and you got that word from God. You need to stick with that word from God. You may just say, hey, wait a second. And we know that the word of God, the Bible, is a word written to us. Amen? It's written to you and me. It's written, written to us personally. You, every promise of God is yes and amen. Every promise of God. And so when we walk through this thing, Jesus takes himself and his three disciples, so there's four of them, Peter, James, and John. He didn't even take the rest of them. Maybe they didn't believe at that time. He took his inner circle. Sometimes you got to take the people that are closest to you. 
Sometimes you got to take the people that they know you're not crazy. They know you're walking in faith, and they don't have to ask questions. They just, they're with you. They're just stand. You need those two or three people in your life that will stand with you no matter what. They're like, they're on your side. And I'm, no, I'm just, I'm with that guy. I don't care. He calls, I'm with him. I'm there. That's just, that's the type of people that you need in your life. Amen? Jesus had Peter, James, and John. He had Jarius and Jarius' wife, the girl's mom, and the little girl. There's seven in the room. He removed, the Bible says he removed everybody else from the room. Why is that? Because he didn't need any doubt in the room. Now, this is the son of God. This is creator of the universe. He wrote the book, and he had to remove doubt. Listen, you have to remove doubt from your life. You have to get rid of that doubt. Well, it's not going to work out. Oh, my goodness, I'm scared, Pastor. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know how it's going to work out. You're, it's going to work out by your faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to work out because you call on the name of the Savior. It's going to work out because you plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your situation. It's going to work out because there's not a demon in hell that can stand against the armies of heaven. You serve the angel of the Lord army. It's, it's going to work out because your faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence are in God. So Darius is there, and Jesus is there, and we, Peter, James, and John, the little girl's there, but now she's dead. She's a lifeless body. So what does Jesus do? Jesus does the very thing that Jarius asked. He laid hands on her. The problem is, according to Numbers in 5, the ch Numbers of 5th chapter, and this is what messes up religious people. This is what messed up the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the hypocrites, was according to Numbers 5, he shouldn't have touched a deceased person or he was considered unclean. So what's he do? He touches her. <laughs> he touches her. He says, behold, Tali Kumathai, my daughter, rise up. So he calls her daughter, little girl, rise up. Zarias calls her daughter. He called the woman with the issue of blood, daughter. She had it 12 years. She was 12 years old. He's trying to tell a tale of two stories, a tale of, a tale of two daughters. That's your daughter. This is my daughter. You've accepted her. You need to accept her as well. If you can accept her, you can accept her. If you accept her, she needs to be accepted. If you're accepted, then we're all accepted. If we're all accepted, then God loves us. It's a, it's a portion of grace. And then she sits right up. She rises up like instantly, whatever the enemy calls dead, God can call alive just like that. He can call your marriage alive. He can call your finances alive. He can call your family alive. He can call your son and daughter healed. He can call your friends healed. He can call your community alive. Listen, God's in the living business. He's not in the giving business. He's in the living business. He creates things to be alive. He speaks and they become alive. He knows life. So the little girl sits up, and now this is my translation. He tells mom and dad, go get her a bowl of ice cream. Put some chocolate syrup on it and some Cool Whip. Make that thing good. He actually says, go get her something to eat. But that's like if I'm passed out, that's what I want. I want, I want a bowl of ice cream when I wake back up. <laughs> you have whatever you want, but I want ice cream. He, tells, he says, go get something to eat. And this, again, this is verification. Come on back, worship team. This is verification of what once was dead is now alive. Here's the, but here's the metaphor here. Here's the middle part. When you were dead in sin and Christ made you alive again, you need to eat. And you need to eat the word of God every day. 
You need to eat substance in your life that will sustain you. You need to take the scripture in your person so that you can live on that word of God. So that when other, when doubters and haters come by you and say, you're messed up, you're whacked out, it's not going to work out, things are, things are out of control, you're out of control, all these things are out of control. You need to know that God's word is alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's there to defend you and you don't use it as a weapon against other people. You use it as a weapon against the stronghold of the enemy and the stronghold of the devil and the stronghold of hell. Why? Because that's where the doubt comes from. It's not going to work out. Yes, it is in Jesus' name. It's there. It's Things are going to, uh, I've been laid off for six months or three years or whatever the case, but God's got something for me in the name of Jesus. Listen, every situation, there's going to be a counterbalance that God's going to work it out in your life. So we see the tale of two women here. One's had an issue of blood for 12 years, socially not accepted, should have stayed home, Leviticus 15. The other one, Jesus shouldn't have even touched. The woman that was unclean touched him, became healed. He touches the little girl, she becomes healed. All we need to do is get into the master's hand and allow him to start touching our lives and he will touch you right where you need it. Stand with me this morning if you are. Let me rehearse it one more time before you. Our ingredients of faith are this. you got to believe. It's important that you believe. If you do not believe, if you do not have faith, it's impossible to please God according to the Word of God, which, again, I stake my life on. Number two, you got to speak things out. you got to start calling out. Now, again, that's not gibberish. And if you do it with uh, cynicism and criticism and sarcasm, uh, you're, it's, you're not going to get the fruit of it. But the Bible says the power of death and life are in the tongue and the fruit thereof that eat it. In other words, if you speak it according to God's word, it will happen. It will take place. And then your action points are this. You've got to start acting. I got to act like a believer. I got to act like someone who knows God. I got to act like someone. I can't let God down. He's called you to be a warrior. He's called you to be a soldier. He's called you to be in his, in his, uh, his highest uh, guard. And then we need to stand. When God's given you a word, God's given you a promise, God's given you a, just that, that spirit within you, you know it's going to work out. You stand upon that promise. You stand upon it. But then know this, that God's not forgotten about you. He may go on and do something else for a while, but he's coming back to get you. And he'll break every Old Testament rule that he needs to to make sure that you're whole and healed. Now, what's he do that for? Why did he break Leviticus 15? Why did he break Numbers 5? Because he's introducing grace to a new church. He's introducing grace to a new society. He's introducing grace to people that say, Lord, I don't know. I can't make heads or tails of all this stuff. Some of it I just don't really, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. But I do know this. You loved us so much you sent your only begotten son to die for all mankind. That whoever receives him should not perish but have everlasting life. Raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so. We're going to sing one more song, but I pray right now 
Lord, those that, Father, are standing on a promise. They're standing, Lord, on faith. They're standing believing. They're speaking it out. Lord, but they're standing. They're standing for that healing. They're standing for that miracle. They're standing for that provision. They're standing for that sanctification. They're standing, Lord, to, to get rid of that sin in their life. They're standing, God. They're standing. You see them standing, Lord. Lord, you see them standing. So, Father, I pray right now, would you touch them as they touch you? Lord, would you touch them? as they touch you. Would you bring healing to them? Would you bring miracles to them? Would you bring life to them, Father? We declare it. Lord, we speak it out. Lord, we ask that they would receive it. Lord, that the heavens would acknowledge it. Lord, you'd rain down upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more song together.
great word. Amen. That was amazing. We just got to allow our faith to rise up a little bit. And um, that's one of those messages that maybe, um, hopefully you took notes. Josiah here just takes the um, most amazing notes. Every week he puts them on Instagrams for, for other people to share. And this is something you're going to come back in life and you're, you're going to need it. My friend Emily back there, she takes really great notes. And sometimes she'll put pictures around them a little little hearts and stuff and then she'll send them to me and it just blesses me so much that you know what they really got it but it might not be today might not be your day that you say oh that was a great message but you might look back a little bit later and pull out that book with your little hearts and stuff and say wow today is my day that I need that so it's so awesome that we that we need to take notes and remember that and come back to that so it's so exciting um but what we've been doing back at the info booth before you leave, if you have a praise report and you'd like to write that down, we would love to be able to share that and celebrate that. Or if you have a prayer need, um, then we've been putting them up. We have some serious stuff going on right now, and we need to be holding those up. And if you're part of the prayer team or if you just say, hey, I, I would love to be praying for those, you can contact us and just agree with us. But that's what we're doing as a team. But we have, um, of course, we're praying for Marcus and his family and all of us and everybody dealing with it. But um, Cindy, who goes here, she took a fall and she has um, some serious issues from that fall. So we're going to pray for her this morning as well as all of these needs right now. So let's just do that. And we're, we're celebrating all these things, houses sold and most important that someone accepted Jesus Christ. That's the most, always the best praise report. Amen. So excited for that. Let me just pray. And, and then don't forget that Wednesday, this Wednesday at 6.30, youth group meets downstairs. There's a door over there and they'll have a big sign out. If you know somebody that needs to be in youth, please just have them come. They have a great time. They're very get intimate with God and they have a good time. They fellowship. So, so come on out Wednesday, all the youth group age. And um, I think it's up to high, up to college, college. Yes. So up to here in college, come on out and join with them and have some time together, okay? Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you are such a good father and you care for us. Just as a, the message this morning was so incredible that, that you care for us right where we are. No matter, no matter what we look like, no matter what we have, you love us just the same. So, Father, we just come before you with the needs, Lord, that are even on the board this morning. We just agree. Your word says if two or three would agree as touching anything, then there you would be to meet that need. So we just come in agreement. We declare that by the stripes on Jesus' back that every need up here has already been healed. And you are working on that, and we cover them. We especially pray for Cindy this morning with this fall and this, the broken bones possibly in the situation. We just declare healing for her right now we're continuing to believe for marcus and everybody else in our body who's dealing with this virus we just come against it we bind every part of it and we ask in the name of jesus our faith to be whole to make that happen because of our faith and you will protect and you bring lord revival to our hearts 
Lord, we just ask that you would stir the fire in us again. Lord, every decision that our pastor is in the process of making and, and thinking about, I just pray peace over him as decisions that he has to make, even due to this virus. He has um, decisions that he's praying for and asking for wisdom. I just say, Holy Spirit, would you bring him the wisdom that comes from you, not from him, but from you. Would you help him? Would you just show us all what to do? And we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you all so much. Wish we could hug every one of you, but have a blessed day. Love you. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.